This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, folks, and you're listening to Teachers Talk Radio with the Twilight Show tonight. And it's Andrea Hannah here. And today we're discussing the topic that's often as exaggerated as a first year teacher's optimism the portrayal of teachers in fiction. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone and it's great to be here again and tonight we're jumping in as I said to the portrayal of teachers in fiction something that I'm sure probably inspired a lot of us to become teachers in the first place so I want to just jump straight into it but I would also love to hear from you and some of your thoughts I've been dissecting over the past week the depictions that we see of fictional teachers in movies in books and on TV shows um, into different categories but you might disagree with me on some of these so please feel free to share your thoughts. So jumping straight into it. This is obviously a seemingly benign subject but it wields far more influence than you may imagine and it has a profound impact on society's understanding of what it means to be a teacher. So put away your red pens and take out your popcorn as we delve into the complex, the hilarious and the sometimes bizarre world of fictional teachers. So first up, I have deemed this category the saviors. These are the archetypes who make teaching seem as glamorous as a BBC period drama. Picture Robin Williams on a desk intoning Walt Whitman as if the very syllables could awaken dormant souls. Or perhaps Michelle Pfeiffer, who apparently needs nothing more than a leather jacket and Bob Dylan lyrics to pacify a classroom of embittered teenagers. The allure of these figures is undeniable. Their on-screen presence becomes a siren's call to many an aspiring teacher. The idea of, here's what you can do, seize the day, and the marking will do itself. Mr. Keating of Dead Poets Society, probably one of the most inspirational films of a severe teacher, instills in us the essence of poetry and independence, uttering phrases like carpe diem and encouraging students to suck the marrow out of life. It's awe-inspiring to think that a bit of dramatic flair and a knack for inspirational quotes could have the power to free young minds from the tyranny of traditionalism. At this point, who wouldn't want to throw out the national curriculum in the favour of a reading list comprised entirely of the romantics? Yet herein lies the dilemma. This saviour archetype is a double-edged sword. As you sit back entranced by their on-screen magnetism, it's really easy to forget that teaching isn't quite a performance art. 
It's a job laden with measurable outcomes, rubrics, and a surprising lack of standing ovations. In fact, according to Professor Jay Smith, the fictional saviour's construct of what is known as a pedagogical fairy tale, which burdens real-world educators with unrealistic expectations. He asserts that the public's romanticised view creates an emotional tax on educators who are then expected to serve both as academic instructors and as architects of character and spirit. The damaging effects of these mythical portrayals ripple beyond cinema screens and book pages and into our very collective consciousness. You'll find parents in parent-teacher conferences perhaps inwardly disappointed that the individual before them is less like Dumbledore and more like, well, a normal human being with lesson plans rather than wands. But it's not merely the pressure to inspire. It's also the corresponding implication that if you're not a saviour, then you must be doing something wrong. This dichotomy allows for little in between, ignoring the nuanced set, skill set sorry, of patience, adaptation, and the uncanny ability to make Henry VIII interesting to a group of teenagers. These portrayals are the kindling for burnout, and argues educational sociologist Dr Karen Fielding. And the gap between the screen and the classroom can become an emotional chasm. And that's not a gap that you can bridge with a jaunty one-liner about seizing the day. Perhaps most damagingly, these fictional saviours rarely show us the grunt work. Where are the scenes of Mr. Keating up to 2am marking essays and planning lessons? Or Michelle Pfeiffer negotiating with school bureaucracy to get essential supplies? The mundane aspects of teaching are glossed over faster than a teenager's attempt to skim read Lord of the Flies the night before the exam. So, while we love our fictional saviours for their charisma and their grandiose speeches, it's essential to remember that they're just that. Fictional. Actual teaching requires a balanced diet of inspiration, perspiration, and where carpe diem is best served with a side order of practicality, and perhaps a strong cuppa, as the reality is not always as poetic as we'd like to think. So, next up, we have the category I've named the buffoons. These guys take us from pop culture punchlines to perilous public perceptions. So while the saviours of fictional education exist in an almost celestial realm of wisdom and endless charisma, we can't forget their polar opposites, this group, the buffoons. Picture, if you will, Walter White, pre-Breaking Bad, standing in front of a classroom of distracted students, bespeckled and wholly unremarkable. Or who could forget Coach Carr in Mean Girls with his seriously questionable sex ed philosophy. But the queen of this court is undoubtedly Dolores Umbridge, the sugary sweet pink clad dictator of the wizarding world, proving that academic misconduct can indeed be dressed in kitten patterned robes. You see, if the saviours set a gold standard that real life teachers can't possibly meet, then the buffoons set one that they should never ever fall to. 
The portrayal of these characters could be the stuff of comic legend, were it not for the fact that they also have a startling ripple-on effect for how society views educators. Ah, you must be the sort that drives their students to rebellion or anarchy, I hear you say. This seems to be the implicit assumption here. Dolores Umbridge, with her simpering ahem, and the love for corporal punishment, serves not just as a figure of ridicule, but as a potent reminder that teachers can be authority figures gone awry. She's not simply a professor. She's a caricature of academic tyranny. Now, let's bring some scholarly heft into this part of the conversation. Susan Wallace, in her seminal study on the public perception of educators, contends that these buffoonish characters can be corrosive to the real world of teaching. According to her, this stereotype reinforces the image of teachers as figures to be ridiculed, undermining their authority and their professionalism. This idea aligns with Wallace's overarching argument that portrayals of educators as buffoons perpetuate a narrative that delegitimizes the role of teachers, reducing them to mere walking punchlines. If you undermine the educator, you undermine education, Wallace soberly notes. These fictional portrayals are not merely isolated anecdotes of our pop culture. They contribute to a cultural subconscious that dismisses educators as either disciplinarians, obsessed with order, or dullards, fit only for mockery. They translate into real-world phenomena too. Dr Emily Thompson's research on teacher evaluations noted significant dis discrepancy between how educators perceive themselves and how they are perceived by students and parents. Terms like strict, boring, out of touch, all of these frequently cropped up, mirroring the stere stereotypes showcased in fictional settings. We can't overlook the impact of mass media when we talk about these perceptions, she states, alluding to the gravity of this public image problem. Think about it. If society consistently undermines teachers in films and literature, it becomes all the more difficult for real educators to assert and gain the respect they deserve. The students' expectations are already coloured by these extreme portrayals. They're either waiting for a Dumbledore or dreading an umbrage, leaving little room for an actual human being to navigate the intricate dynamics of a classroom. Parents too approach teachers with preconceived notions, thanks to years of absorbing these stereotypes through a preconceived cultural IV drip. For teachers, this becomes a professional boomerang. They throw their passion and their skills into the world, only to have it come back and hit them as low evaluations or worse, parental complaints. Dr. Sarah Middleton, in her research on teacher retention, notes that these results form negative, um, negative self-perceptions of teachers and attribute to attrition rates within our profession. Teachers then leaving the profession, all because they feel disrespected and underappreciated. And these are just some of the not so funny realities of these depictions. Policy consequences are another. It might sound like a joke, 
that an inept fictional teacher could influence real world policy. But the line of causation is unfortunately more straightforward than we probably like to admit to ourselves. Negative public opinion can lead to reduced government funding for education. The quote being, why invest in a system where teachers are so ridiculed? This seems to be the underlying sentiment here. And this is according to a political scientist, Professor Helen Clark. So it is not just plucked out of my own head. <laughs> she goes on to say that public perception can impact everything from teacher salaries to classroom budgets. So we may laugh at Walter White, but remember, his perception from the screen impacts more than just him as a character. It affects every teacher's livelihood. Ultimately, in the quest for a giggle or a gasp, this buffoon archetype sacrifices the nuanced reality of teaching, distorting public expectations and feeding into an already problematic dialogue around education. And as we all know, respect for teachers is no laughing matter, even if pop culture insists otherwise. So that's a little bit of food for thought to get us started. I would love to hear from you as well. What categories do you think of when you think of teachers in fiction? And then we'll come back it's to It's time it. for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. A wide range of media outlets have covered the ongoing issue of reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete, or RAC, and its use in buildings, including schools, leading to concerns around safety. The BBC reports that buildings at 52 schools in England were at risk of sudden collapse due to dangerous concrete. While safety measures have since been put in place at these schools, because the situation was deemed critical, more than 100 others have also now been told to close areas with the concrete. These buildings were previously thought to be at less risk. The new guidance follows the collapse of a beam that was thought to be safe. Head teachers are now making alternative plans just days before the start of the new academic year. Some pupils have been told they will be learning remotely, whilst others are being housed in temporary classrooms or even at other schools. The total number of confirmed schools affected in England is 156. The news has since triggered concerns in all three of the home nations. The Scottish Government said it was trying to establish how many schools contain RAC, whilst in Wales investigations continue, although there have been no reports at present. The Northern Ireland DV said schools were being checked as a matter of urgency. Ministers in England have been facing media, 
and having struggled to keep up with a range of questions being asked, including how fixing the issues caused by RAF will be paid for. Opposition MPs have pointed out that schools themselves already have issues with funding and that local authorities have seen cuts in recent years, so finances may not be there at a local level. The DfE has also faced criticism for not publishing a list of schools affected, although it defended its actions, saying parents should hear direct from the school itself, at least at first. A school in Southend, which caters for pupils with physical and learning difficulties, has contacted the BBC to outline the significant challenges it is facing, as the closure of its main building means staff and pupils cannot access essential special equipment. Whatever the outcome, it is certain that, for some pupils, this is the start of yet another unusual school year. Away from issues with buildings, Schools Week reports on plans to ensure all schools in England hold electronic registers, which the Education Secretary will have direct access to. However, proposals to introduce thresholds at which penalty notices must be considered for unauthorised absences are paused. They were part of the currently shelved New Schools Bill. New rules are not expected to come into force until 2024, but it has been made clear that ministers see attendance as an area which must improve. More than half of parents who responded to the consultation on the plans for e-registers disagreed due to the possible punitive use of the data collected. Officials said it would be used to enable better early intervention. 92% of local authority workers and 85% of school staff who responded support the plan. The DfE will move forward with changes to simplify recording of attendance or absence. In total, 22.3% of pupils missed more than one in 10 sessions in the 2022-2023 academic year. This is compared to 22.5% in the year 21-22, despite significant government intervention. Prior to the pandemic, these rates sat between 10 and 13%. The TES reports that a group of watchdogs, including Ofsted, are jointly to carry out targeted inspections in schools where there is a risk of pupils being exposed to serious violence or exploitation. The inspections will happen in six unnamed local authorities and examine how police, social services and health services tackle serious youth violence. The focus will be on multi-agency interventions and could include interventions in schools, parks, shopping centres or specific streets where young people may be at risk. The team will include representatives from Ofsted, the Care Quality Commission, HMI of Constabulary, HMI of Probation Services, and each team will be led by an Ofsted Health and Social Care Inspector. Where a school is involved, they will be asked to show they have effective systems to identify children at risk of or subject to serious youth violence and children who are missing from school. The inspections will end in May next year. Full details of the report can be found on TES online. Finally, The Guardian reports that Lego is to begin selling bricks coded with Braille to help blind and partially sighted children learn to read the touch-based alphabet. The Danish makers of the bricks have made specialist versions tested and developed by blind organisations across the globe. The bricks have been sent to a selection of schools free of charge since 2020, but now they will be available more widely. Lego hopes the initiative will help parents, siblings and others share in learning Braille and to encourage play interactions between sighted children and visually impaired friends.
This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time. Hello again. So, you've had a little time to stew. We've had time to digest the news. And now I want to sort of look beyond the saviours and beyond the buffoons to some other categories of fictional teachers. And the one I want to look at now is that I'm only here for the paycheck types. And I'm sure some of us from time to time certainly feel that's us. So perhaps it is more based in reality than we like to think. Um, I'm, I know personally there are certain times in the year where I'm just trying to survive. So let's talk now, though, about the teachers in fiction who clock in only to count the minutes until they can clock out again. These are the educators whose very presence in the classroom makes you wonder if there's an equivalent to Yelp or you can leave reviews for teachers. Leading the parade in this dubious category is none other than Cameron Diaz in the film Bad Teacher. For those who've managed to erase this cinematic gem from their memories, Diaz plays a teacher who's so allergic to teaching that she might need an EpiPen. Laugh, but don't ignore the real impact of this. As amusing as such depictions can be, they plant a rather corrosive seed that teaching is a fallback profession, the occupational equivalent of a participation trophy. The message seems to be, if you can't do anything else, at least you can teach. As if teaching the future generation requires the effort of simply making instant noodles. Dr. Helen Thompson, in her research on teacher portrayals in film, grimly notes, these characterizations add fuel to the misconception that teaching requires minimal skills and that the classroom is a sanctuary for the lazy and the uninspired. So how can we assess the real world impact of these portrayals? Believe it or not, these stereotypes have tangible consequences. A study conducted by Professor Marcus Johnson showed that negative portrayals of teachers could actually deter young people from entering the profession. Imagine a bright young mind capable of inspiring and educating, deciding, well, if it's just a last resort gig, then maybe I'll go into finance instead. Recruitment suffers, which is certainly no laughing matter, given the current teacher shortages we have in many areas. Moreover, these stereotypes adversely affect the respect accorded to the teaching profession. Public perception is more critical than we might think. It informs policy, parental support, and even the morale of current educators. As Dr. Sarah Lewis argues, a society that devalues its teachers is one that compromises its own future. That's definitely something to think about. Just consider the impact on salary negotiations and debates on educational reform, the things that we are living through right now in the UK. When the public image of teachers is one of disinterest and incompetence, 
teachers have a far harder time rallying community support for better working conditions or educational practices. And this is something I think about regularly, especially here in Northern Ireland, where we are under industrial action still because we have no government to negotiate our pay terms. And the public lack of support for when we have had strike days is really quite astounding. And I have no doubt that different cinematic depictions of these just for the paycheck teachers have influenced that perception. So while it may be hilarious to watch Diaz swig whiskey from a mini flask and dodge any semblance of teaching, the societal effects of this stereotype are far less amusing. The I'm only here for a paycheck narrative trickles down into real classrooms, affecting everything from public respect to policy reform and even teacher recruitment. It's not just a scriptwriter's joke. It's a public perception problem with real-world knock-on effects. And let's be honest, the only thing a bad teacher helps grow is a generalisation of disillusioned students. And who's laughing then? So we've looked at the saviours, we've looked at the buffoons, and we've looked at those teachers that are literally there for a paycheck. But there's another category which has recently come into the fictional universe that I'm sure some of us are conceiving of. And I've called this group the outliers. They defy the cliches that we've talked about so far, but they also make us question our life choices. So obviously some of you have been thinking, surely there's somewhere in the great annals of literature and cinema, there is a species of teacher who doesn't fit neatly into our categorised saviour, buffoon, paycheck collector ecosystem. And you're on to something. So let's stroll down the less beaten path of fictional teachers who don't conform to the stereotypes we've been discuss discussing so far. And the first to leap off the pages in this category is none other than Severus Snape from the Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling. He's not a saviour. He's definitely not a buffoon. And he certainly isn't there for just a paycheck. Unless you count being enigmatically draped in perpetual disdain as a career goal, Snape is in a league of his own. While his teaching style which borders on academic sadism, would certainly have Ofsted knocking, his complex narrative arc reveals layers of character that don't quite fit into any box we've described so far. So what's the effect of this enigmatic portrayal? Well, according to Dr. Susan Elkin, Snape forces us to deal with complexity and moral ambiguity in authority figures, thereby pushing the discussion about teachers beyond mere archetypes. Here's the thing, most people have had a teacher that they didn't quite understand and Snape serves as a fictional recognition that not all authority figures are easily labelled. Perhaps that's why people can spend hours debating his character. Is he a hero? Is he a villain? Or is he something in between? Snape introduces the area of grey to a teacher's depiction, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Next up, we have the sarcastic and the disinterested, but yet the oddly relatable Greg Davies in his portrayal of Mr. Gilbert in the television show The Inbetweeners. 
Is he a villain? Not really. Is he a saviour? Definitely not. He's essentially the physical embodiment of an eye roll. Mr Gilbert is the teacher who treats high school like a four-year sentence to be endured by both staff and students. It's a grim sort of realism in a way that many can relate to but rarely want to acknowledge. Dr Alison Haramiak, a researcher in teacher identity, notes the unique power of a character like Mr Gilbert lies in forcing us to confront our own cynicism about institutionalised education. He's the voice of everyone who's ever felt trapped by the system, and that's teachers included. Though not exactly inspiring, Mr Gilbert serves as a sort of catharsis for the collective disillusionment that pervades educational settings, forcing us to confront the often mundane reality of schooling. So what is the impact of these outliers. Characters like Snape and Mr Gilbert serve as a necessary counterpoint to the flattened depictions we often see. They show that teachers can be multifaceted, they can be flawed, and above all, they can be human. The impact of these unclassifiable teachers on public perception is to introduce grey areas into a previous black and white picture. While it's difficult to measure the direct effects of such nuanced portrayals, their presence at least provides a counter-narrative that might make parents, policymakers, and the general public think twice before forming judgments. Ultimately, the outliers in fictional teachers give us both room for contemplation and paradoxically make us yearn for simpler characterizations. So the next time you're reading a book or watching a film featuring a teacher who defies easy categorization, you need to put on your metaphorical academic cap and consider what these characters reveal about society's evolving views of teachers. Because as much as we love to slot teachers into archetypes, the true nature of education, much like our favorite spaghetti sauce recipe, is far too complex for such simplicity. Now, we've gone through quite a few different categories there, but we're still not quite done. And again, this is where I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear characters that you think I might have missed out on. But the main category that I really want us to think about is the realism movement. The dawn of nuance, as I like to call it, and the complexity that we can see in teacher portrayals. So now we are entering a golden age of teacher representation. Yes, this is the era where educators are neither wielding magic wands to fix inner city schools, nor launching into psychotic breaks in the staff room. These teachers are, and brace yourselves, folks, they are real people. And I have a couple of categories here and examples for you. So I thought we would begin with ISA-D. Um, this is in an HBO television show called Insecure. So it might be a little bit foreign to us as British listeners mostly. But in this show, ISA navigates a labyrinthine educational system that's rife with both institutional challenges and quirky tweens. Anyone who's taught knows that the real monsters aren't always in the classroom. Sometimes... 
they're hiding in the bureaucratic paperwork. But unlike the saviors and the buffoons, Isa is neither a martyr nor a clown. She is a complex individual facing realistic challenges. And scholar Dr. Patricia O'Connell writes, Isa D represents a shift in narrative focus from the teacher as the focal point of change to a system that itself needs reform. This is a crucial nuance and it highlights how teaching is both an individual and a collective enterprise. So from Isa D in HBO's Insecure, let's pivot now to the depiction of Alan Bennett and Alan Bennett's captiv captivating play turned film, The History Boys. Many of us will have grown up with this um, very, very famous show. And this story features Hector, an intellectually brilliant teacher who's simultaneously endearing and morally complicated. Unlike saviors, Hector is not saintly. His questionable ethics complicate his genius, making for a more multifaceted character. And in contrast to the category of buffoons, Hector is not a caricature. He is deeply flawed, but incredibly competent. Dr. Emily Norton, an expert in media studies, notes here that Hector's character brings forth the moral ambiguities within the teaching profession. He is the antithesis of a one-note character, offering audiences a chance to grapple with the complexities of human behaviour in educational settings. And to me, this is personally quite interesting. I have always felt as an educator, and this is me just going off on a little tangent for a moment, and again, I would love to hear your thoughts, is whilst we are in this position of guidance, authority, locus parentis, um, when we're in school, there is almost this implicit attitude that we must be morally whiter than white that nothing about our lives can have any gray areas and sometimes the category between our public faces teachers and our private lives um, gets blurred essentially and anytime a teacher does anything remotely questionable outside of the classroom nowhere near the school grounds or their students that line can become blurred and it becomes very difficult to separate the two. And that can be quite difficult, I think, for a lot of real life teachers to navigate the fact that people can never see them beyond that title of teacher. And that's where I think this realism movement is really, really interesting and actually quite a positive thing for teachers in the world today. So the question is, are we witnessing a genuine shift in the portrayal of teachers or is this just another fad? Well, the rise of complex nuanced characters does suggest that there is an appetite for more authentic representation of teachers and the realism movement has catalyzed a much needed debate about the responsibilities and the roles teachers have, moving the discourse away from the tired tropes um, to issues that matter, essentially like pedagogy, ethics and institutional reform rather than focusing on teachers themselves. But the question still remains, does this new wave of realism have a tangible impact on the perception of teachers by the public? Early indication suggests it does. Dr. Sarah Williams, in her study, Teachers in the Media, 
shows that more realistic portrayals have led to increased public discourse about the complexities of teaching. The public seems to be warming to the idea that teachers are neither saviors nor buffoons, but in fact, real people doing a very complicated job. As such, the realism movement in teacher representation is a breath of fresh air in a room that's been stale for far too long. By showcasing educators as multidimensional human beings navigating intricate social, institutional and ethical landscapes, these narratives challenge us to think more deeply about the teaching profession. While saviours and buffoons may be a fun diversion, we need to celebrate the rise of realism for the realistic expectations and meaningful conversations it fosters. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson edXL's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson edXL MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. A wide range of media outlets have covered the ongoing issue of reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete, or RAC, and its use in buildings, including schools, leading to concerns around safety. The BBC reports that buildings at 52 schools in England were at risk of sudden collapse due to dangerous concrete. While safety measures have since been put in place at these schools, because the situation was deemed critical, more than 100 others have also now been told to close areas with the concrete. These buildings were previously thought to be at less risk. The new guidance follows the collapse of a beam that was thought to be safe. Head teachers are now making alternative plans just days before the start of the new academic year. Some pupils have been told they will be learning remotely, whilst others are being housed in temporary classrooms or even at other schools. The total number of confirmed schools affected in England is 156. The news has since triggered concerns in all three of the home nations. The Scottish Government said it was trying to establish how many schools contain rack whilst in Wales investigations continue, although there have been no reports at present. The Northern Ireland DV said schools were being checked as a matter of urgency. Ministers in England have been facing media and having struggled to keep up with a range of questions being asked, including how fixing the issues caused by RAC will be paid for. Opposition MPs have pointed out that schools themselves already have issues with funding, and that local authorities have seen cuts in recent years, so finances may not be there at a local level. The DfE has also faced criticism for not publishing a list of schools affected, although it defended its actions, saying parents should hear direct from the school itself, at least at first. A school in Southend, which caters for pupils with physical and learning difficulties, 
has contacted the BBC to outline the significant challenges it is facing as the closure of its main building means staff and pupils cannot access essential special equipment. Whatever the outcome, it is certain that, for some pupils, this is the start of yet another unusual school year. Away from issues with buildings, Schools Week reports on plans to ensure all schools in England hold electronic registers which the Education Secretary will have direct access to. However, proposals to introduce thresholds at which penalty notices must be considered for unauthorised absences are paused. They were part of the currently shelved New Schools Bill. New rules are not expected to come into force until 2024, but it has been made clear that ministers see attendance as an area which must improve. More than half of parents who responded to the consultation on the plans for e-registers disagreed due to the possible punitive use of the data collected. Officials said it would be used to enable better early intervention. 92% of local authority workers and 85% of school staff who responded support the plan. The DfE will move forward with changes to simplify recording of attendance or absence. In total, 22.3% of pupils miss more than one in 10 sessions in the 2022-2023 academic year. This is compared to 22.5% in the year 21-22, despite significant government intervention. Prior to the pandemic, these rates sat between 10 and 13%. The TES reports that a group of watchdogs, including Ofsted, are jointly to carry out targeted inspections in schools where there is a risk of pupils being exposed to serious violence or exploitation. The inspections will happen in six unnamed local authorities and examine how police, social services and health services tackle serious youth violence. The focus will be on multi-agency interventions and could include interventions in schools, parks, shopping centres or specific streets where young people may be at risk. The team will include representatives from Ofsted, the Care Quality Commission, HMI of Constabulary, HMI of Probation Services, and each team will be led by an Ofsted Health and Social Care Inspector. Where a school is involved, they will be asked to show they have effective systems to identify children at risk of or subject to serious youth violence and children who are missing from school. The inspections will end in May next year. Full details of the report can be found on TES online. Finally, The Guardian reports that Lego is to begin selling bricks coded with Braille to help blind and partially sighted children learn to read the touch-based alphabet. The Danish makers of the bricks have made specialist versions tested and developed by blind organisations across the globe. The bricks have been sent to a selection of schools free of charge since 2020, but now they will be available more widely. LEGO hopes the initiative will help parents, siblings and others share in learning Braille and to encourage play interactions between sighted children and visually impaired friends. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. And welcome back, folks. We are on to the last leg. So we've had a little bit of time there this evening to think about some of the main categories in which we see fictional depictions of teachers. And now I want us to think and digest and basically reflect now a little bit on the impact of these depictions. 
And for me, when society laughs at or cheers for or recoils from fictional teachers, they're not just reacting to storylines. They're actually participating in shaping a narrative about real world education. Dr. Emily Thompson's pivotal study underscores this point beautifully, saying that public perception fueled by fictional portrayals plays a crucial role in policy environment, affecting issues like teacher pay, educational reforms and union negotiations. They also frame many parent-teacher conversations, often starting um, interactions on a note of scepticism or unrealistic expectations. You see, every time a fictional teacher graces our screens or pages, they're not just telling a story. They're contributing to a broader social narrative that has very tangible, very real consequences. Imagine a world where we valued our educators for their actual worth, acknowledging their struggles and rewarding their efforts. That's not a fictional world. That's a better one. From Dumbledore's wisdom to Mr. Schuster's cringeworthy raps, fictional teachers span the spectrum. While entertaining, these characters should be read or watched with a grain of salt, or perhaps at times the entire salt shaker. The urgency now is to advocate for portrayals that capture the diverse, the complex, and the inherently human nature of teaching. In the real world, teachers are neither solely saviours nor buffoons. Sometimes we're a bit of both, with a lot of middle ground. As we better understand the nuanced roles teachers play in society, we can begin to construct narratives that do justice to these pivotal figures. So the next time that you find yourself laughing at Jack Black's antics in School of Rock, remember that somewhere out there is a teacher trying to channel their inner rock star while juggling grading, lesson planning, and fending off the latest cold going around. Fiction is the lens through which we can scrutinize and distort reality. So let's focus on sharpening, not blurring the picture of one of society's most essential professions. Ultimately, it's high time we revise the syllabus on teacher portrayals in fiction. It's time to graduate from the school of cliches and tropes to a more nuanced understanding of what teaching involves. As we pack up our bags, both literal and metaphorical, ready for a new year of teaching, we need to make room for more complex, more human portrayals of educators. And in doing so, we might find that life actually imitates art and our real world teachers will be all the better for it. So if you've stayed awake through this podcast that's part comedy special and part academic journal, Give yourselves an A for endurance and another A for patience, because understanding the role fiction plays in shaping reality isn't just academic, it's essential. And who knows, the next time you read a book or watch a film or a TV show featuring a teacher, you might scrutinize not just the character, but also the narrative they propagate. Thank you for your time this evening. There is no final exam, but if there were, it would consist of just one question. Are we ready to move beyond stereotypes and embrace the complex, the challenging 
and yet the incredibly rewarding world of education. And the thing is, your answer matters more than you might think. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you, everyone. I've been your host tonight, Andrea Hanna, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Have a lovely weekend and good night.